And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's a nail-biting adventure with Mark Trail, starring Matt Crowley from 1950. Then, Richard Widmark makes a guest appearance on the Jack Benny program from 1950. But first... Let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? So, Saturday Night Live, this is the end of their 43rd season, and they have chosen their final two celebrities to host the final two shows. Carl and Lisa. Exactly. They chose the perfect pair. But if not us, their second choice. (laughs) (laughs) Will Ferrell. No, they're two females, and you love them both. All right. Okay. Tina Fey. Yes. And Amy Poehler. Amy Schumer. Oh, Amy so Schumer. So close. I had, you had Amy it almost right. right. Yeah. So Amy Schumer will be the May 12th host, and her musical guest will be Casey Musgraves, who, who is a country singer. Okay. And, uh, the <laughs> final, <laughs> I can see by your face, and the final, um, episode of season 43 will be Tina Fey, which is May 19th, and her musical guest will be Nicki Minaj. Okay. So Amy Schumer's back on the big screen. I just want to mention really quickly yeah. with the debut of I Feel Pretty. Um, right. She's hosted SNL one time before. Tina Fey, this is her sixth time as host. Of course, she was the head writer and she was the anchor of Weekend Update. And she just opened her first Broadway musical as writer. Um, it was It's an adaptation of her 2004 movie Mean Girls. Yeah, I just think Tina Fey is... She's one of the, she is one woman that I absolutely admire. I mean, there's a lot of women I admire, but she's well, at the top. I am. She's, she's oh, at sorry. the top of the list other than you. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Besides You're me, first, it's she's Tina second. Fey. Well, I don't know about the order, but I'll give her to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. Well, we're going to start things off with an adventure program. It's called Mark Trail. Came to radio in 1950 based on the famous comic strip created by Ed Dodd. Now, Matt Crowley starred as Mark Trail, a photojournalist and outdoor magazine writer whose assignments led him into danger and adventure. He fought for law and order, striking fear into the enemies of man and nature. Mark traveled with his girlfriend, Cherry Davis, and their friend, Scotty. Mark's faithful St. Bernard was named Andy. The series was aimed at young audiences and was heard on Mutual and then later on ABC. We have a broadcast now from October 11, 1950 called The 40-Year Freeze. Here's Matt Crowley in Part 1 of Mark Trail. It's Mark Trail. Battling the raging elements. Fighting the savage wilderness. 
striking at the enemies of man and nature. One man's name resounds from snow-capped mountains down across the sun-baked plains. And now, Kellogg's Corn Flakes invite you to share another thrilling adventure with Mark Trail. Deep in the glacier country of northwestern Montana, three figures on horseback wind their way along a narrow trail through an arid, high-walled canyon, until suddenly, skirting a jagged outcropping of rim rock, they emerge at the edge of a rich green valley. The leader raises his hand, signaling his companions to halt, then points to a long, low ranch house about a mile ahead in the heart of the valley. That must be the place, boys. The Brook Ranch. Yeah, looks like the one they told us about back in town, Mark. He's left us with you for one long time, eh, Mark? Yes, Johnny. Beyond this valley, we start hitting the wild glacier country. Boy, it sure is pretty here. All the sagebrush and scrub grass. Looks like the ranch house is riding in the middle of the green ocean. Well, the valley gets the runoff from Big Bear Glacier, Scotty. Then the water goes underground and the streams bypass the dry country we just crossed. I don't know. This place, well, she looked pretty, but... You don't feel so pretty. What do you mean, Johnny? I cannot say a word, Scotty. I do not know. But something should tell me there is probably it. Go on, Johnny. Just because the people back in town told you some strange stories about the place, you're letting your imagination run wild. The people in the town, they live here a long time, yes? Uh, they should know something, eh? But they didn't say there was anything wrong here, Johnny. It's not what they say, but how they say it. Well, you'd better watch what you say, Johnny. Don't insult those people. You mean we stop here for a little while, water the horses. All right, but then we push on to Glacier, eh? Right away, quick. Sure, Johnny, sure. And not know why. But I have strange feeling about this place. And I'd want to stay one minute more than we have to. Place looks deserted, Mark. And the gate's closed. Maybe we can't stop. Oh, that should be fine. No, no, there's a girl. Just stepped up behind that tree. Whoa, boy, whoa there. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Good afternoon. Hello. Are you Miss Brooke? No, I'm Kathy Somerset. Well, this is the Brooke Ranch, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It belongs to Mr. Brooke, my guardian. Did you want to see him? We'd like his permission to water and rest our horses. Oh, of course. Come in. I'll open the gate for you. Oh, thank you very much, Miss Somerset. Uh, not at all. You'll find water and feed down by that grove of cottonwood. Right. Oh, by the way, uh, my name's Mark Trail. This is Johnny Malott. Hello. And uh, this is Scotty. How do you do? Scotty. Johnny, uh, you and Scotty take care of the horses, will you? I'd like to talk to Miss Somerset. Okay, I'll help you. Uh, Thanks, Johnny, but I think I can talk to myself. Oh. Come on, Johnny. Okay. But I'll be back, Miss Somerset. And do not believe what this fellow Mark Trail is saying about me. I'm Johnny Malott. Oh, I'm one fine fellow. Get out of here, Johnny. I'm sorry, Miss Somerset. Uh, sometimes Johnny thinks he's uh, quite the casual. <laughs> well, it was very flattering. As you can see, this is a place where a girl doesn't get much of that. Yes, it uh, does look rather lonely. Are, are you on a hunting trip? No. Uh, our little expedition is more in the nature of an exploration. I was wondering whether your spread has any uh, range corrals uh, farther up the valley. Oh, certainly, Mr. Trail. There's... Hey! Oh, there's Mr. Brook now. Yes, Uncle Maddie. Who are you talking to? What do you want? Well... This is Mr. Trail, Uncle Maddie. Oh. He's some kind of an explorer, and he's wanting Never mind, to... girl. I'll handle this. You get on back to the kitchen. Yes, Uncle Maddie. Now, Mr. Trail, what's on your mind? I was asking your uh, ward if... Hey, uh... boy. Boy, some uh... fellas down by the cottonwood watering their horses. You want us to chase them off? Now, those are my friends, Mr. Brooke. Uh, Kate, uh, Miss Somerset, said we could water the animals. 
Well, at least he could say, I guess. This is my boy, Lace. Hello, Lace. How is there? Anything more you wanted, Mr. Trail? Yes, I was asking Miss Somerset, uh, what have you had any range corrals uh, farther up the valley? Yeah, five of them. Why? We'd like to uh, have your permission to use one of them to corral our horses. Whichever one is the nearest the face of Big Bear Glacier. Big Bear? What you aim to do around there? We're making a survey for the American Geological Society, charting the movements and examining the structure of the uh, Big Bear Ice Pack. You figure on crossing the Big Bear, mister? Yes. And, of course, we'll have to do it on foot. That's why I want to corral the horses. Hey, you got a big job, mister. Only man who's ever crossed Big Bear's pop here. And he need a dog. Never mind, Lace. Okay, Mr. Trail, you can use my range corrals. Here's one to Big Bear's about six miles from the base of the glacier. Mostly up. All right, thank you, Mr. Brooks. I don't mention it. No mind our mountains. We ain't used to strangers around here, so we're kind of rough on them sometimes. Yeah, Pop usually drives them off with his Lace, shot. you're flapping your mouth. Close it. Hey, Mark. Okay, right with you, Johnny. Goodbye, Mr. Brooks, and thanks. See you in a couple of weeks after we cross the glacier. Good thing, Trail. You'll live to get across. Why don't you think you'll do it, Pop? You done it once. Yeah, a long time ago. I wouldn't cross that killing pack of ice again for all the world. All the money that there is in the world. Okay, Scotty, come on. Another good foothold in the ice. I'm following right in your steps, Mark. Mr. Mark, what is sure one slow at the traffic? You need plenty of patience crossing an ice pack, Johnny. Treacherous stuff. This I can see myself, Mark. Oh, slippery like glass. Okay. Here's another step, Scotty. Following right along, Mark. My God, Mark. You chop so much ice. Don't you be best ice man in all country. Mark. Listen, what's that? Sounds like a mighty... Hey, Mark. Look up there. A fissure in the ice. Part of the glacier is cracking. Look at the way it's zigzagging, Mark, and it's getting wider. Hey, Mark, that crack come this way, fast like the wind. Quick, Scotty, over here. You do, Johnny, hurry. We don't want to be separated on this ice pack. You bet, Mark. I come quick. Look, Mark, the crack is getting wider. Johnny! Watch the jump! Mark, I cannot! Help! Help! Mark, it's gone. Johnny's disappeared into the ice. <laughs> On a mission for the American Geological Society, Mark, Scotty, and Johnny Malott started to cross the Big Bear Glacier in northern Montana to examine the structure and chart the movement of the massive glacier. Suddenly, a crack appeared in the huge field of ice, and with the speed of lightning widened into an enormous fissure, Mark and Scotty managed to jump clear, but Johnny slipped and fell into the seemingly bottomless crevasse. Clinging to the edge, Mark and Scotty stared down into the depths and called frantically... Johnny! Hey, Johnny! Johnny! Answer, will you? Johnny! Mark, it's no use. He's gone. Hello, Mark! Wait, Scotty. Mark! He's alive. Johnny! Are you all right? Yes. Yeah. Where are you? On ledge that stick out of ice. Maybe 40, maybe 50 feet down. We will, Johnny, right away. And then we'll get a rope down to you. Okay. I wait. I'm not going to play. Scotty, that rope. I got it right here, Mark. Starting on. One knot every two feet. So Johnny can get a good handful. Right. Now, to the 
flashlight, Donovan. You use the spare light. I am. Hey, Johnny! I hear you, Mark. Sending down the flashlight. Stand by. All right. Can you see it yet? Yes. Let him down, Bob. Ten feet more. All right. How's that? Okay. Now you swing it into me. Like this? Oh, try again. Ah, I got it. Right. Now stay put, Johnny. We'll get the climbing line down to you in two minutes. Oh, he's not bad, Johnny. Now I can see legend everything. Johnny! What's the matter with him? Ah, he's devil down here. It's come for me. Send me down of all quick. Once more, Scotty, and he'll be over the edge. Right. Uh, 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 mother of a coward, that one tough boy. Careful, Johnny, you slip back again. Oh, no, 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 not me. I'm not go down there again. Snuffle me. Johnny, you're as white as a ghost. What happened down there? I see it, Mark. When I flash the light on the ledge behind me, I see devil, laughing devil. What? His hands, they reach out to grab me by death. It was cold down there, but I never sweat so much in all my whole life. Johnny, that's impossible. It must have been your imagination. Imagination. You don't see it. It's close to me like you are now. You really saw something down there, Johnny? What do you think I'm talking about? You go down, maybe you'll see it yourself. All right, Johnny, I will. If there's a devil down there, I want a good look at him. Brace yourself on the rope, Johnny. Mark's coming up. Okay, Scotty. He say he see something? He hasn't said anything since he's been down there. Must be something. Or maybe Johnny has got weak head. That what do you think, Scotty? I don't think anything, Johnny. Steady now, Mark, near the top. Here, Mark, give me your hand. Hey, Scotty. <laughs> well, Mark, what is it? Something is down there. Or oh, is Johnny crazy in the head? You're not crazy, Johnny. Oh. What is it, Mark? The most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life, Scotty. A man. What? Devil, you mean. A man. Frozen solid in the ice. Frozen? Yes. From his clothes, I'd say he was trapped in the ice about 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah, the frontier style of that period. And he's been preserved all these years? Yes. But the ants that reach out to grab him. It's the way he's embedded in the ice down. His arms stretched out. He must have fallen. And there's a rifle to one side of him. And a little book at his foot. All frozen solid. As if time had stopped him. Forget that. I don't think I will either, Johnny. Right, what do we do about it, Mark? We'll get word of the police and then the geological society. This job will take a lot more men and equipment. They want to get him out of the ice for study. No, I think this will be the first instance of a human being preserved in a glacier. Though there have been lots of cases of animals. Well, do we all go back? No, no. You and I will stay here, Scotty, just in case of another shift in the ice pack. We want to keep this spot located. But Johnny. Yes, Mark. You can travel fast and light. Uh, get back to the range corral where we left our horses. Then ride to the book ranch and call the society from there. Okay, Mark. Uh, Scotty and I will pitch tent on this ice cap and wait for your return. Perhaps even investigate our newfound friend a little more. I am sorry to interrupt when you eat, Mr. Brook. But it's very important I use the telephone. Yeah, what's the matter? You run into trouble on the glacier? No, but we find very strange things there. A man. Frozen in the ice. A man? Uh, what that? Yes. He looked better than you, me, anyone in this home. Except, of course, he's dead. Yeah. Thirty, forty years, Mark, say. You see the clothes. Forty years? I wondered... Mr. Malott, 
that picture on the piano up there. Look at it. Eh? That... My God. That is him. That is the man. And not forget that face. Who he is? He's my grandfather, Frank Somerset. He was lost on the glacier. Hey, you hear that, Paul? Katie's grandpa, he found him. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. Yes, very good news. You let me use the phone to call the Geological Society and the police. They bring him out. Uh, no, you, you can't use the phone. Eh? It's out of order. Oh, but Uncle Matty, I called on I it. I tell you, it's out of order. I tried it just a few seconds ago. Oh, then you tell me, how far is the next one? About 40 miles down the canyon. 40 miles. I'd not like to leave Mark and Scotty on ice for so long. I could ride down for you, Mr. Malott. Well, that is big help if you can. Sure, that's a good idea, Kate. Leif and me can't leave, but I guess we can spare you. Oh, that is fine. You take Mr. Millard out of the corral, give him a fresh horse so he can get back to his friend. Sure. Then saddle up yourself and get his message to the phone. All right, Uncle Maddie. This way, Mr. Millard. Sure, and thank you, Mr. Millard. No, don't mention it. Well, I, Paul, I'll give him a hand. That no. feller uh, can't saddle up alone. Uh, you stay here, Leif. Yeah, but you want something to do, go over to that phone and rip them wires out. Rip out them wires? Do as I say, you idiot. Just as you say, Paul. And there weren't nothing wrong with that phone. No. I don't get it. Guess it's just a finger of fate. Huh? Listen, Leif. You like this range, don't you? Oh, sure. You know you're going to get the spread when I die. And all the money I made from the gold mine. Sure, I figured that. Leif, if those fellas get Frank Somerset out of that ice pack, you ain't going to get nothing. Why not? Because 40 years ago... I killed Frank. What? He stuck it rich in this valley, and I didn't find nothing. So I found out where his claim was, and then one day tricked him into going up on the big bear. I knifed him and rolled him to a crack in the ice. Oh. It was perfect. I figured nobody ever find him. Then I took over his claim in this whole valley. Oh. It was an awful thing to do. Was it? This land will be yours, Lake. If they don't get Somerset out of there again, if they don't find he was knifed. Yeah. Well, is it so awful now? No. I guess not. Well, what are you going to do? Only thing a man can do once he's killed. Kill again. Hello, Scotty. Oh, hiya, Johnny. You're just in time. Lend me a hand with this rope, will you? Help me steady it. Oh, Marky's done there. Yeah, just coming up now. He sent up that book that was in the ice. Hey, hold the line steady. Come ahead, Mark. Yes, grab my hand, Mark. Uh, thanks, Daddy. Boy, that's a rough line. You could hold the priest, Johnny, in the society? No, I don't speak to them. Why not? The phone at Brook Ranch is out of order. So the girl, the cute little one, Kate, she ride to the next ranch to call. Forty mile away, I think better I come back here. Let her make the call. Oh, Okay. Uh, where's the book, Scotty? Right here in this cake of ice. See the prize we got, Johnny? It's a diary. They tell us the identity of the man in the ice. Oh, I tell you that myself. You? Sure. He's Frank Somerset. Grandpa to the girl, Kate. I see his picture on piano. Well, then that's settled at least. Chip the book out of the ice, Scotty. It should make interesting reading around the campfire tonight. <laughs> Need a camp yet, Leif? Not yet, Paul. You can just see part of the glacier through these trees. Well, we're coming to a clearing. Keep your eyes sharp. Yeah, Paul. Hey, Paul. Look down there. In front of us. There can't. We shall have. Yeah. I can see them fellers walking around. 
There, about half a mile from that crack in the ice. That's where Frank must be. Now, what'll we do now, Paul? No, wait. I want to look the land over. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll do right well. What, Paul? You see where they camp just about 50 yards from the edge of the glacier near that rock slide in the mountain? Yeah. Now, son, if we was to give all that loose rock and gravel just a mite of help with this dynamite I brought, I reckon they'd be buried till kingdom come. Yeah, I sure would. Well, that's what we're going to do, boy. Yeah, but there ain't no trees there for no cover. Ain't nobody could set out no dynamite without them seeing it. We'll wait, Liz. Wait until it's dark. And you set out the dynamite and string the line back here. We'll bury all our troubles under a mountain of Montana rock. That's you, Liz. Yeah, Paul. All done. Yes, sir. Here's the water. Good boy. I'll hook them to this detonator. It looks real peaceful down there. You three shelter has around that one campfire. Sure does, boy. Spitting for a man to have peace in his last minutes of life. They've been asleep an hour, near an hour. From now on, Leif, they're going to sleep forever. That's the first portion of Mark Trail. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Mark Trail. And as an avalanche of rock and dirt rolls down the slope, the campfire and the three shelter halves are completely engulfed, buried under a mountain of earth, a mountain under which nothing can live. Dynamiting the slope of a mountain, Matty Brooke and his son Leif have sent tons of rock and dirt hurtling down on the clearing where Mark, Scotty, and Johnny Mallott were camped for the night. Now, as the last remains of the avalanche slide down on top of the doomed camp, Matty and Leif watch in silence. <laughs> That's one way to put out a fire, Paul. Hey, don't see nothing moving down there. There you, Leif. No, sir. Em tents must be under 20 foot of rock by now. Well, reckon that ends our troubles. Yeah, but what about Somerset, the Iceman? Kate went to call the police about him, you know. I know. That's the second part of our job. We're going to dynamite that crack in the glacier so no one will ever uncover him again. All right, Paul. I'll... Hey. What's that? Quiet, quietly. Kate. Yeah, I hear. This way, Kate. Uncle Maddie. Uncle Maddie, what happened? I heard a tremendous roar. Terrible tragedy, girl. Liz and I just saw it. Saw it? Yeah, we got curious about that man in the ice and come up to see him. We saw that trail fellas camp on the ice. And next thing that rock slide over there started to go. We were all buried under it. Buried? No. Yeah. We better go back and get help. Oh, well, um. Oh, all right, Uncle Maddie, I'll go. Hey, wait a minute, Paul. She saw the detonator. What? She knew. Barbara! 
Let go, Lace. You hold still or I'll break your arm. That's the boy, Lace. Come to think of it, Kate, how did you get back here so soon? I knew that phone was working. I waited until you were gone, and then I went into the house, and I saw where the wires had been ripped. Then I knew you were up to something. So you came out here to warn Mark Trail, eh? Well, you're just a mite too late, that's you all. You killed him. He started that avalanche. Yes, and killing just begets killing. You're going to be the next one to go. I don't think so, Mr. Brooks. What? Oh, it's him. A ghost. A pretty substantial ghost. Let go that girl, you big well us. Mark, the old man's going for his gun. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Take care of this son, Mark. You're living your glory. Oh, like Let me go. Hang on until I get this gun. There you are. Here, Johnny, catch. I got it, Mark. Now, calm down, Brooke. Oh, that chap buried on the avalanche. You should be dead. No, Mr. Brooke. The only death here is 40 years old. The man in ice, Frank Somerset. The man that you murdered. Murdered? My grandfather murdered? Yes, Kate. Scotty, give Kate that book. Here you are. It's your grandfather's diary. It's all down in there. How Brooke was on your grandfather's trail and discovered his gold claim. He says if he was found dead, Brooke is his murderer. He apparently took you in to ease his conscience. Yes, and the bullshit he us off to trouble. We'll return. Marcus say we'll leave decoy camp just in case this rookie tries something. So he do, but we'll catch him. And that brook proves that everything he's got belongs to you, Miss Somerset. Me? Yes, Kate. Everything belongs to you. Come on, Mr. Brook. You're way overdue for your date with the sheriff. <laughs> Hey, Mark, now that we've put those fellas on ice, what do you say we go up to Northwoods, eh? Have good time hunting and fishing. I'd like to, Johnny, but Professor Davis just brought a couple of baby pandas to Lost Forest. I'd like to go back there right away to see them. I just sent the professor a wire, Mark. I told him to expect us on Friday. Friday? Mother of a moose. I just remember. You know what Friday is? No, what? Thirteen. Oh, that very unlucky day, by God. Go on, Johnny. That's an old superstition. Maybe so, but on this Friday, I, Johnny Malat, I stay in bed all the day. And I look for trouble. And you take my advice. You do the same. Thanks, Johnny. Maybe I will. But on Friday, Mark and Scotty find trouble stalking them when they hear black cats howl to see strange ghostly shapes as they fight the menace of the Witch of Lost Forest. Tune in, same time, same station on Friday, and find out what happens to... Mark Bale! Battling the raging elements, fighting the savage wilderness, striking at the enemies of man and nature. One man's name resounds from snow-capped mountains down across the sun-baked plains. Mark Remember to tune in then on Friday when Mark Trail will again be brought to you by Kellogg's Corn Flakes, the cereal that helps give you more punch till lunch. This program is entirely fictitious. The resemblance of any name, personality, or incident to an actual person or event is merely coincidental. This program came from New York. Mark Trail by Ed Dodd also appears in the comics of many of America's leading newspapers. Look for it daily and in weekend editions. Matt Crowley portrays Mark Trail and Ben Cooper as Scotty. Today's Mark Trail was written by Palmer Thompson, directed by Drex Hines. Jackson Beck speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's Mark Trail from October 11, 1950, with a 40-year freeze starring Matt Crowley. And uh, also in the cast, Ben Cooper and Jackson Beck, sponsored by Kellogg's. 
as heard on Mutual. All right, well, it's time now for the Jack Benny program. Let's go back to November 12, 1950. Jack's special guest is Richard Widmark. Part one now of the Jack Benny program. The Jack Benny program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's evening at the Benny household. Rochester has just finished, or Jack has just finished dinner, and now is in the kitchen helping Rochester with the dishes. You enjoy, enjoy your dinner, Rochester? Well, that, uh... That ought to be enough water, Rochester. Yes, sir. Oh, by the way, boss, it's awful nice of you to help me with the dishes tonight. Well, after all, Rochester, it's your birthday and your friends are giving you a party. I know you want to get away. By the way, how old are you today? Forty-three. Gee, forty-three. Yep. (laughs) What are you laughing at? It's hard to believe that when I first started working here, I was younger than you. Yeah. Now, uh, hand me the silver and I'll dry it. Here you are. Say, boss, you've got some new silverware, haven't you? What do you mean? Well, look at this fork. On the back it says Romanoffs. Oh. Oh, well, that's a family heirloom given to me by my Aunt Harriet. Harriet Romanoff. (laughs) Oh. Well, what about this spoon here? It says Chasen's. Oh, oh, I got that from another aunt of mine, Matilda Chasen. Oh. Say, boss, this fork here, was that given to you by... No, I'm not going to ask. What? I know you haven't got an aunt named Pig and Whistle. (laughs) Oh, yes, I have, Rochester. She was married twice to Sam Pig and Joe Whistle. (laughs) Now, leave me alone. Rochester, answer the door, will you, please? Yes, sir. Hello, Rochester. Happy birthday, and here's a little gift for you. Some cufflinks. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Come on in. Uh, Where's Mr. Benny? Uh, He's helping me with the dishes. Oh. What'd he give you for your birthday? Miss Livingston, he gave me a gift worth $2,400. What? Mr. Benny gave you a gift worth $2,400? How come? Well, as Mr. Benny explained to me, he's a great artist on the radio and gets $12,000 for his broadcast. Uh Uh-huh. The broadcast is only 30 minutes long, which means he gets $400 per minute. Uh Uh-huh. And by giving me six minutes of his time to help me with the dishes, I'm getting the equivalent of $2,400. Oh, hello, Mary. Don't speak to me. I can't afford it. (laughs) What are you talking about? Nothing, nothing. Jack, I came over to ask you if you'd like to come to my house tonight. I'm having some friends over, and we're going to play canasta. Oh, I'd love to, Mary, but tonight I'm going to stay home and look over the script of my second television show. Oh, that reminds me. Mama saw your first one. She did? Your mother? Mm Mm-hmm. And I got a letter from her this morning. I have it right here. Oh, what does Plainfield's Edge of Doom have to say? Well, go ahead. <clears throat> My darling daughter, Mary, just a few lines to let you know that we all saw Jack's first television show and liked it very much. Gee. 
When Jack came out on the stage and stood there with that devil-may-care attitude, he reminded me of Francis X. Bushman. (laughs) Jack's performance was so nonchalant, so casual, and so relaxed, we all fell asleep. What? In the time it took him to say hello again, this is Jack Benny, Milton Berle would have given us three guest stars. Well, Mary, we're different. I have my style of comedy, and Burl has everybody's. <laughs> Go ahead, read on, Mary. And now, Mary, for a few lines about your sister, Babe. Oh, read this slowly, Mary. That's the part that sends me. Your sister, Babe, still isn't engaged, and I think her appearance is against her. She always looks like she just got up. (laughs) We thought Babe finally landed a fellow last week. For seven straight nights, a college student took her out. A college student took out Babe? Mm. But the eighth night, he didn't show up. He called and said the initiation was over. How do you like that? That's all the news now, so we'll close. Your loving mother, love the young Rose Livingston. Mary, I'd like to ask her. Mm, I'll answer the door, Jack. Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Liv. How's the flower that bloomed in the May Company? (laughs) Fine, Phil, fine. Come on in. Where's Jackson? Oh, he'll be... Hey, Phil, you're wearing glasses. Yeah, I decided I better get them to keep me out of trouble. Why? What happened? Well, a couple of days ago, Liv, I was riding down Hollywood Boulevard and I saw a cute little chick walking along and I whistled at her. (laughs) Well, how did that get you into trouble? It was Alice. (laughs) Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Hello, Roch. Happy birthday. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Here, uh, Rochester, I brought you a present. Thanks. What is it? Hair tonic? You can use it for that if you want happy hair. Happy hair? Hey, Jackson, I want to ask you something. What is it, Phil? Well, uh, a couple of weeks from now, me and my boys have to be out of town, and I want to know, uh, do you think that you could possibly do a program without us? What did you say, Phil? I want to know if you could do a program without me and my boys. Well, Phil... I really don't know, but I'd be so grateful if you'd give me a chance to try. (laughs) Believe me. Wait a minute, Jackson. That's no altitude to take. That's attitude. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, you can go right now. Altitude. A natural mistake for a chap who's always high. Phil, Phil, where's this place that you and the boys may have to play? Well, Jackson, we may be invited to play at the formal opening of a new incinerator that burns all the fish heads at Pismo Beach. (laughs) Well, congratulations, Phil. I think it's a step in the right direction. So take my advice. Oh, excuse me a minute. Hello? One moment, please. I have a long-distance call from Las Vegas. Las Vegas? Who can that be? Hello? Oh, hello, Dennis. What are you doing in Las Vegas? Who's this? (laughs) Jack Benny, you called me. I did. I thought I was putting nickels in a slot machine. Dennis, what are you doing in Las Vegas, anyway? I'm up here sightseeing. Yesterday, I saw the Hoover Vacuum Cleaner Factory. The Hoover Hoover Vacuum... 
Did I say Hoover? Remember our old president, Herbert Hoover? No, that's Herbert Heaver. You, when you were in Las Vegas, you say you saw the Hoover vacuum cleaner factory? Yeah, it sure is a funny-looking place. A big, solid wall of cement with water on one side of it. Oh, for heaven's sake, that's Hoover Dam. Dam. Well, there's no need to get that mad about it. I'm not mad. Dennis, who's in Las Vegas with you? Oh, I'm up here with my mother. She's on our way to Detroit. Detroit? Oh, is your mother going to pick up a new car? Five of them. She drives the truck. <laughs> Stop that. I know you called up just to have some fun with me. You're not even in Las Vegas. Oh, yes, I am in Las Vegas. No, you're not. I'm sorry, sir, but your three lemons are up. <laughs> what? Now what do you got to say? Nothing. Believe me. Goodbye, Dennis. Goodbye. Who was that on the phone before? That was Dennis. He told me he was up in Las Vegas. I don't know whether to believe that kid or not. Once he called me up and told me he was in Tokyo. And I bawled him out. Boy, was I embarrassed when he put MacArthur on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't tell. Say, Jack, I gotta run along now. Are you sure you don't want to come over and play canasta? No, Mary. Thanks. How about you, Phil? Canasta? No, thanks, Liv. When I play cards, I just want to be dealt five. Five, then halt. That's enough. <laughs> but I'll drop you by your house if you like. Okay. Bye, Jack. So long, Hoover. <laughs> so long, fish head. <laughs> Say, Rochester. Yes, boss? You can have the evening off if you... How do you like that? He was upstairs when I called him (laughs) Well, let's see What'll I do tonight? I should read my television script But I don't feel like memorizing now I think I'll just go in the library and read a book Let's see There's some books here I haven't read. Here's Ernest Hemingway's new one. Across the River and Into the Trees. I hear that's great. Here's a new book by Gypsy Rose Lee. (laughs) Across the Runway and Into the Tees. (laughs) That ought to be interesting. Eh, no pictures. Hey, here's one I haven't read. A cup of coffee, a sandwich, and murder. Say, this is the book I heard about. Supposed to be very exciting, too. Got gangsters in it and everything. I think I'll read it. Sit over here by the fireplace. A cup of coffee, a sandwich, and murder. Chapter one. Although my story is an unusual one, it all took place in a typical American town. I was a typical American man in a typical American business, which was identified with my typical American name, 
I remember the day they put up the sign. Gondolfinger's lunch. <laughs> yes, that's me. Charlie Gundelfinger. As the story opens, it is midnight, and my lunchroom is deserted. Except for one lonely customer. And that's the first portion of the Jack Benny program, November 12, 1950. Special guest, Richard Widmark. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of May, log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download Escape Volume 1, featuring 12 exciting tales of high adventure. Escape Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but it's yours for half price, only $9.99 this month only. Also on sale during May is The Life of Riley Volume 1, featuring 12 comedy episodes starring William Bendix. The Life of Riley Volume Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but it's yours for half price, only $9.99, via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download Escape Volume 1 and The Life of Riley Volume 1 at 50% off their regular price. In June, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during May. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to order, and while you're there, download an episode of Suspense starring Cary Grant, absolutely Absolutely free as our gift to you. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Jack Benny program from 1950. Then we'll take a high-flying adventure on X-1, good sci-fi adventure from 1955. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.